Welcome everyone back to the Brocast. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network, and I am coming to you solo today to record a mailbag Brocast. Uh, it is Friday, February 23rd. Uh, Tracy has a personal commitment this morning, so he can't join us. But I'm going to take your questions. I've solicited them from the Hoops and Football Forums. Uh, and you guys have responded with many, many questions. So without further ado, let's get it going. All right. Uh, I'm going to start with the football forum. Uh, we'll move on to the basketball forum. I don't know, about halfway through. I'm beginning recording at 9 a.m. I'm still leaving the thread open right now. Uh, I'm going to close it, I don't know, whenever I get there. So uh, there may be more questions as we get through. All right. Starting off uh, on the football forum from Bruins08. What's the backstory on Young and Usher? All right, so for those who have not been paying attention this week, uh, UCLA Director of Player Personnel Ethan Young was fired earlier in the week or told he was not being retained or whatever polite language uh, people use. And then Darren Usher, yesterday morning, Thursday morning, uh, resigned uh, as UCLA's general manager. What's interesting is that Usher was just hired last month from Oregon, uh, where he um, was very well thought of at multiple stops. I believe he was at Auburn, Boise State, Oregon, um, as one of those front office recruiting guys. Um, so let's do some backstory, further backstory, before Deshaun Foster was fired, uh, b- before Deshaun Foster was hired. Uh, Ethan Young, um, so my personal opinion is he did a pretty good job with a lot of constraints around him. Um, he was... Basically, his role for the longest time was essentially a double role. Um, Usher was eventually hired to kind of oversee stuff that Ethan Young had been doing in a lot of ways. Um, But he had to do a lot. It was a lot of evaluation, a lot of initial contact, a lot of keeping track of the assistant coaches who are supposed to be calling guys and often aren't. Um, Doing a lot of just the nitty-gritty connective tissue work that goes into being one of those recruiting personnel guys. It's a thankless job. It uh, involves a ton of hours probably one of the hardest working people in that building. So start there. Uh, Chip Kelly, when he started feeling pressure around his job, um, because again, he is a not good person, uh, began to scapegoat Ethan Young uh, to a lot of people. Um, He was going to use him as a sacrificial lamb in some ways um, and uh, was using that as a blame game for why his recruiting had struggled and failed. That was a huge part of why they posted that general manager position and why they eventually hired Darren Usher. So Ethan Young, uh, essentially through no fault of his own, was being blamed by the head coach, Chip Kelly, for um, recruiting failures, which are, uh, again, not the responsibility of the guy who's just trying to do the connective tissue work. Uh, If nobody does their jobs, you know, if nobody does the, like, recruiting work, that's the responsibility of the coaching staff. You can't blame the DPP. Okay, so that's that. Uh, Ethan Young was already kind of getting on the wrong side of Chip Kelly. Um, And then Usher was hired in January um, to oversee the whole apparatus, um, to be kind of the strategist guy for recruiting, um, and help to organize the efforts even more. Um, Reportedly, he really, he came in, really liked Ethan, uh, and they were working well together, kind of... uh, doing the work again of probably multiple people just between the two of them. Um, 
so that was January. Uh, Chip Kelly then leaves um, to go to uh, Ohio State, and Deshaun Foster is hired. Now, I don't know the full dynamics of what went on between Foster and Ethan Young over the last six years. I know they've worked together for six years, um, but you can it's easy to imagine that there was some, you know, difference of opinions about whatever recruiting or what have you. Um, so it ended up being one of his first moves, uh, within a week was to, uh, let Ethan Young go. Uh, Usher was a resignation. As far as I know, it wasn't pressured. Um, this was a decision that Usher made on his own, um, to go back to Oregon. Um, I would again, guess that there's a philosophy difference, uh, between, usher and what he perceives from the uh new ucla staff how that plays out um is anyone's guess i don't want to cast aspersions about you know whose philosophy is right because frankly we don't even really know deshaun foster's philosophy yet all we have is what he said in his press conference which was they want to recruit nationally um but they also want to recruit locally and uh they want to recruit the guys they've offered hard and uh, then the the thing about the offers that I reported that, again, it could have been off the cuff, but he said, you know, don't want to offer too many guys, want to keep it to a reasonable number. And his the numbers he threw out were maybe three running backs a cycle or 15 offensive linemen, which in the broad scheme of college football, just, I'm, again, this isn't my opinion, in the broad scheme of college football, that's very low. Those would be very, very low numbers, um, especially for a full cycle, if that's what he was, if that's what his words meant. So um, we will see. Uh, but I think Ethan Young, um, for a long period with Chip Kelly, got uh, the short end of the stick um, and didn't get uh, uh, credit for a lot of the work that he was attempting to do and couldn't get done because a lot of people around him weren't doing their jobs. Uh, UCLA 94 asks, will the size and structure of the recruiting support staff change under Deshaun Foster? Great question. Uh, I would anticipate the size remaining the same or uh, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't anticipate the size increasing, uh, as for structure. I think that's the open question at this point, the general manager role was just added by Chip Kelly. So maybe Deshaun Foster doesn't see a need for that. Maybe he does fill it. Uh, I think it's going to be really interesting to see who gets hired for those positions. The DPP is a classic position that a lot of schools have, um, and that role can do a lot of different things. But often it's uh, it's organizing film, organizing highlights, organizing uh, the initial evaluations of guys, um, and directing assistant coaches on where to go and that sort of thing. Um, and the general manager can take a lot of that role too. Um, but, uh, for me personally, I would, I would fill both of those holes, um, because, uh, there are some, there are some schools that UCLA is competing against that have recruiting, uh, staffs that number in the dozens. Um, so UCLA is going to need to fill those positions and, and get some help in there pretty quick. Uh, T Bruin. Uh, Deshaun Foster had initially thought that he could have most, if not all of his staff announced by today. Do you believe that there will be any announcements today? Uh, offensive coordinator could happen soon. Um, uh, the potential new quarterbacks coach could also happen pretty soon. I don't know if it'll be today though. Uh, Friday. Um, I think there's still some stuff being worked out. Um, but, 
I mean, names we've heard for, I mean, we've reported them. Uh, we've heard of Eric Bieniemy is is the leader for offensive coordinator. We've heard Ted White is uh, potentially going to get the quarterback's job. And we had heard that Scott White uh, was in the running for the linebacker's job. We haven't heard anything different. Um, and I think it's just a matter of, you know, getting past those final hurdles. Um, so we'll see. Uh, but that's the situation as, as it is today. And um, while I don't, I probably wouldn't anticipate announcements today, but uh, it wouldn't be surprising if they got done today. Uh, underscore the mayor. Uh, what Disney princess would Deshaun Foster be? Wow, what a great question. Um, hmm. Hmm. So this, I like to wait a little while before I apply the appropriate Disney princess to a coach because I got to get a feel for them more. Um, you know, and generally speaking, uh, uh, assigning a Disney princess to a coach involves an insult of some sort. Like, oh, this guy's, this guy's sleepy. So we're going to call him sleeping beauty. Um, and that's, uh, you know, I don't want to do that. Like Carl Durrell, easy sleeping beauty, right? Um, you know, so it's, uh, it's just a matter of uh, figuring out um, what his, what his uh, whole deal is. And we probably won't know that until the end of the season, but ask again, if I do a postseason broadcast this year. Uh, mailbag. All right. Coast to Coast 32. Always been curious how you first hooked up with Tracy slash bro and your decision to make a career of it. How did it all come to pass? Uh, I think I've told this a couple of times, but I'll tell it again. Um, so I was on the Daily Bruin when I was in school from 2008 to the, or 2003 to 2008. Um, and I began covering football um, at the end of the 2005 season. Uh, and so I would show up to practice uh, one or two days a week, um, and I would hang out with all the uh, grizzled vets uh, on the beat, uh, like Brian Doan, Robert Guada, and Tracy. Um, and uh, just, I got really friendly with Tracy. He got me, um, you know, I, I, I was able to collect some beer money from him for doing the occasional post-practice interview back in those days, which was good. Um and then uh, I graduated, um, and Tracy started to want more help. Um, I he I think he hired Robert um, for a little while, um, and then Robert had to go to Fresno, the Fresno B, and I was living in Portland at the time. Um, and he gave me a call and said, "Hey, do you want to come down and do this?" And that was back in. Uh, August or September 2011, final year in New Heisel. Uh, and I was not really kind of directionless. You know, it was the few years after college. I was working at a uh, I was working at a Netflix call center as basically a summer job, which was um, hellish in some ways, but also teaches you a lot of like kind of the gift of gab thing where you just got to get through a disaster phone call. It's no better training on dealing with people than having to take, I don't know, a hundred calls in 10 hours. Um, but, uh, he gave me a call and I was like, yeah, sure. I'm not doing anything. Um, so I moved back down and, uh, I worked that fall and that was kind of the first year doing it full time. And I've been doing it more or less full time since then moved to Georgia for a little bit, but I'm back. Um, so yeah, I mean, basically connection built in college that, uh, has borne fruit. Um, all right, Bruins Tom. 
Uh, can you explain what Young and Usher were supposed to do? What were their roles? I mean, broadly, because I don't know. Like, honestly, I'm sure they were still working out what the exact division of labor is. Um, but essentially, it's a huge job. It's um, overseeing and strategizing. And different schools have different levels of this. Sometimes the head coach is super involved. Sometimes particular assistants are super involved. Sometimes it's, it's a heavily administrative role um, where they have to, like, Okay, you assistant coach, you're going there. You're going on a you're going on a campus tour. We've set it up. We've done all the like gritty nitty gritty work to like set this up for you. Or um, you know, hey, here's film on ten defensive linemen. We would rank them like this. You take a look, see who you like. Um, but it's a ton of film work, ton of evaluation work, ton of organizational work with um, recruit visits, setting up officials, like all of that stuff falls under that purview. Um, it's a thankless, terrible job <laughs> for many of these guys. Um, so uh, they had a lot to do, um, and it's a huge and essential piece of the administrative framework for any school. Um, now, being a UCLA has a little bit of time because they're in kind of a dead period right now, um, but they need to get those roles filled um, because that that person also needs to have a really good understanding of UCLA and how to. Um, just a, a really good understanding of everything, rules and, and uh, the whole deal. So they need to fill those roles right quick. Uh, Iron Len, uh, can you address can you address and or put to bed some of the rumors that are floating around here? Is Coach Foster budget constrained? Is Martin German taking a more active role in the football program's decisions like hiring, etc.? Um, okay, yes, I can put to bed some of the rumors that are floating around here. Is Coach Foster budget constrained? I mean, in the sense that there is a budget and he has to work within the constraints, yes. In the sense that he is firing Ethan Young because he can't afford the, like, hundred grand that Ethan Young was making every year, no. Um, so I, some of these moves, um, maybe. But, like, if he hires Eric Bieniemy as offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy, I mean, I don't think you're getting that done for 600 grand. I think that's probably going to be a million bucks. That doesn't sound budget-constrained to me. Um, so no, I don't, I, I mean, are, are they going to like hilariously expand the recruiting department and the support staff? Probably not. So if you mean budget constrained in that respect, sure. But if you mean like he has to cut a bunch of money from what is currently the, uh, assistant pool, I don't think so. Um, so, and then is Jarman taking a more active role in the football program's decisions like hiring? Not as far as I know, uh, but this is the kind of thing I wouldn't necessarily no. Um, that that's more of a conversation between Jarman and Foster that I don't think either one of them would be <laughs> telling telling anyone. Um, but I don't I, I would not anticipate that, no. Um, so all right. Uh SM Cron. By leaving on his own accord, didn't Kelly save the Bruins seven to eight million, uh six point five million for his buyout and one point five million that he has to pay UCLA to get out of his contract? Although the timing was bad for recruiting and finding a new coach, wasn't this a great financial end to the Kelly years? Uh, no. So uh, when you're building a business, let's think about it in like this uh, uh, respect. When you're building a business with a lot of upside, right? do you uh, invest more in the business to get it to grow or do you cut costs to get it to grow? Um and the obvious answer is, of course, you invest more in the business uh, because the upside is greater, because the potential profits are greater. 
um, this saving money is more what uh, like CEOs of established businesses do to present a better case to their bosses, the shareholders, uh, or their bosses, the board. Uh, that's the rationale here. It's it's the rationale of something of of a person. It's the rationale of uh, a leader who doesn't believe there's upside, doesn't or doesn't want to make the 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 plays to establish that upside and instead is uh, wanting to uh, make a case for the good job they're doing um so like saving seven to eight million when you are hemorrhaging money every single fall because you can't fill the rose bowl uh because fans are not watching uh because fans are not buying merchandise because fans are not donating to the program um yeah, that doesn't that doesn't work out well in the budget math. But is it a case you can make to your boss that you've done a good job? Maybe. Um, but no, if you're trying to make like uh, throw out success, throw out like oh god, wow, so gauche UCLA winning ten games, disgusting. Uh, throw that all out. Um, simply making more money. At UCLA requires making proactive decisions uh, that inspire hope in the fan base. Um, now, I think simply having Kelly gone in February did give a, a moderate bump to that hope feeling. Um, but firing that guy in November and hiring one of the established head coaches who were demonstrably interested in UCLA might cost you $20 million front end. Might. Uh, you pay Kelly his whatever, six and a half, nine, whatever it was. Uh, and then you got to buy the new coach who's going to be pretty spendy. But the immediate, the immediate interest in the program in November or December, if they hired Jed Fish, they hired Jonathan Smith from people who've been, you know, paying attention would have been, it would have, it would have eclipsed what's happened in February for Deshaun Foster. That's for sure. Um, and the interest in the program going into next year would have been significantly higher and the immediate money would have been higher. And then on top of that, their chance of success, and this I'm, I'm, I'm wishing the best for Deshaun Foster, but Jed Fish has proven that he can do the exact same thing that UCLA needs. He just did it at Arizona. Jonathan Smith has proven that he can do the exact same thing because he just did it at Oregon State. Uh, much, much worse recruiting job, and so is Arizona. Uh, both of those guys would have had that proof of the pudding that, okay, next year, maybe not so good, but the year after that, going to be better. The year after that, going to be better. Um, and that comes with obvious financial implications. So, no, this was not a great financial end to the Kelly years. It's something that can be pitched to the new chancellor as a good thing. Uh, the LA homeboy. Are you a friend of the homeboy? I don't know what this means. This might be a reference that I don't get. Yes. Uh, Jerry for UCLA. Why was Ethan Young not retained? It seemed like he was doing a great job despite Chip Kelly. I explained that. Bruin14. Do you think we will lose any starters to the transfer portal? And do you think we will add any starter level players before the season starts? Uh, great question. At this time, I don't anticipate any starters leaving for the transfer portal. Um, I think UCLA has done a very nice job uh, in player retention. Uh, shout out Men of Westwood. Um, and so I don't anticipate guys leaving um, here on February 23rd. And then uh, now after spring ball, that could be a different story. Um, 
you know, it, it, the, there could be, you know, some things shake out. But right now, I don't think so. Uh, and then adding any starter level players before the season starts, uh, always a chance. Um, you know, that post spring period that's that or actually mid spring period of um, for UCLA's purposes of transfer portal. Um, it's usually like a lower level of talent than um, in the December period. But there's still some availability. Like, there's still some guys. Um, and, uh, you know, UCLA does still probably have a couple of spots to fill. So, you know, I think they could. Um, I wouldn't rule out the possibility, but it's impossible to know who's going to even be in it at this point. Uh, Bruin3350, what is the meaning of life, the universe, and everything? Obviously, 42. Um you know, you try to be a good person. Uh, try to, uh, you know, uh, be good to the people around you. Um, you know, live a life of self-respect. Try to love yourself. Uh, try to accept your uh, foibles. Uh, and, uh, you know, just... Uh, it depends. I mean, it's different for everyone, right? Um, if you're a religious person, you've got um, a... Uh, a structural meaning that I think helps inform your everyday life. If you're like me and not a religious person, you kind of have to decide on it for yourself. I think even religious people have to decide on it for themselves at a certain level. Like at a certain point, you're kind of, you interrogate all that stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think it boils down to, you try to be good to your people, um, you know, move placidly amid the noise and haste. Uh, if you want to do a little desiderata, um, and, uh, yeah, yeah, I think, you know, love has a lot to do with it. That's a pretty, uh, cool human thing we've got. Um, but yeah, there's, I mean, there's, there's a lot. Um, but generally you try to do, uh, do right by people and have them do right by you. Golden rule. Follow it. All right. Uh, Keo 8234. If Eric Bieniemy is hired to be the OC for UCLA, how would you feel about that hire? Do you think he could be a great recruiter? Um, I am, I think the word would be ambivalent about the hire. I've got mixed feelings. Uh, ambivalent, not apathetic. Um, so uh, always remember that. Ambivalent means mixed feelings. Um, I think he could be a good recruiter. Um, he had a reputation for being a good recruiter during his UCLA stint. Um, you know, I could see that working out. Uh, I could also see it not working out because he hasn't been in college since, uh, the John Embry staff at Colorado, uh, in 2012. So, uh, he's 54 now. Um, and you know, age is not that big of a deal. Uh, but he hasn't, he hasn't done this recruiting thing in 20 years. And it's not the kind of thing that gets more pleasant as you get older. Like just from my own personal experience, uh, calling 18 year olds to ask them when they, what school they were going to in my job was a lot more like palatable when I was 26 versus when I'm 38. Um, I like, that's, that's not a, I don't, I don't want to do that. Um, and they've got a much, much more intensive job to be doing with those 17 and 18 year olds. Um, so that, and then on the OC side, look, I don't watch enough NFL football to know, really like the circumstances of his commander's uh stint people i know are two minds about it one not a good situation but two didn't do great with that situation um 
but if you're looking at UCLA next year, not a great situation. Um, it's not you're not walking into an offense that is uh, gangbusters that was thriving last year. So is he the guy to transform it into something very good? I don't know. Um, so ambivalent. He's probably in my middle ground of choices. Uh, David Shaw, that would have been a horrible hire. Um, a couple of these uh, coordinators uh, feel like they would have been horrible hires. This one feels in the middle ground. Um, I would prefer, vastly, vastly prefer that you would just go through, uh, go to like Bill Connolly's SP Plus, sort the top 25 offenses, and just call all of their offensive coordinators and see if any of them want to come. That would be my first pick. Um, but if, you know, uh, if you're going to go with the NFL coordinator route, at least DB has some college experience. So talk me into it. Uh, UCLA 91 Esquire. The UCLA AD is notorious for lazy hires, lazy hires and tepid institutional and financial support. Have you seen or perceived any change in the UCLA AD's approach bureau- bureaucratically and financially post-chip exit? Are they going to support Foster with enough resources to compete in the Big Ten? Um, I, I would say the initial thing was there was definitely a bump, uh, more embrace of uh, NIL. Uh easy to do that in the honeymoon period for two weeks after the hire uh if that that'll need to continue um but i would say the institutional support financial support has been improved uh since foster was hired uh, but it needs to continue it needs to be a major emphasis um and this again goes back to you got to have yeah it goes back to the like the business analogy i was making earlier you've got to invest in your business right now investing in the business involves uh, directing almost all donations to NIL, not worried about, you know, the WAF bottom line and how that impacts your job position. Um, that needs to continue. Will it? We'll see. Bruin Halo. What should our expectations be as fans when we are seeing top players from out of state receiving offers? I'm setting my expectations extremely low, really just enjoying that we're stepping up to the table and throwing the dice, but I'm not expecting to pull a top prospect from a state like Georgia. Or maybe from another angle, what's the strategy here and how should we evaluate its success? I posted this on the board yesterday. Um, put a pin in all this. Uh, I, I don't think this is a reflection of like broad strategy yet. Um, I think this is more a matter of um, uh, wanting to get some offers out and knowing there was going to be some upheaval with the recruiting staff. So kind of empowering the assistant coaches to do what they needed to do and start offering some guys because there had been a lot of slow movement on that especially since Foster had been hired. Uh, there hadn't been much movement at all in the week. Uh, so I think it was more a matter of, okay, hey, you guys get going, and then we'll have maybe more strategy going forward. So I, I wouldn't take a whole lot from it yet. Um, if you see this kind of um, offer rate continue, then we can start to analyze this a little bit more. For now, I would just say this might be a, a, a this week type of thing. And then there might be a change in the approach going forward. Um, but I wouldn't necessarily anticipate they're going to go land the top prospect from Georgia. Um, but certainly good to see more offers going out. Now it's a matter of putting in that due diligence, the recruiting work that needs to happen, as well as the NIL uh, budget stuff. Uh, G-Man91389. Uh, even though some might disagree if Biennemi gets the OC job, but for recruits, do they see him differently in a good way because that Casey offense is so good? Yeah, I think this is part of the optimistic um, end of it, which is that there's potential that this could work out fine if uh, if he can leverage this in recruiting 
and run a decent enough offense that's easy for college kids to understand. It's just a risk because whenever you've hired, like whenever a lot of times that you hire a guy who's been a coordinator at the NFL level to do it at the college level, uh, a lot of times uh, it's it's a struggle to adapt back to guys who can't spend that much time learning an offense. And Biennemi, he drew some criticism at Washington for having too complex for the NFL offense. Um, so play on the field could... It's it's just a risk. You'll gotta wait and see. Uh, but recruiting, uh, it could it could definitely lead to an initial bump. Having that NFL pedigree could certainly help. Uh, Keo eighty two thirty four asks if not EB for OC, then who would be the likely option? Um, we posted a name earlier this week. They interviewed Greg Olson. Uh, I think he could be in the mix. Um, but from what we've heard right now, it's it's already pretty far down the line with Bienemy. Um, that's not to say it's a done deal. Uh, but if that blows up or if that, you know, falls through or whatever you want to, whatever phrase you want to use, um, we'd have to look at it again. I think they would kind of go back to the drawing board a little bit more. Um, but, uh, I think Greg Olson interviewed earlier this week, Brennan Marion, we, we heard interviewed last week, uh, at the end of last week. Um, I don't think that one's still going forward, but, um, I would think, uh, I would think it would be, uh. It'd be Biennemi or maybe Olsen, uh, but it might be they go back to the drawing board and start reevaluating more guys if Biennemi falls through. Flem 55, NIL. How much uh, has been funded since the Deshaun Foster hire? So I can't tell you the full numbers. I don't have access to Ken's uh, database, but I can tell you through Bro, um, since the Deshaun Foster hire, it's been... If you want to count the matching funds, which came from Bros, it's been uh, about 160 grand um, since since the hire. Uh, since Chip Kelly left, it's uh, over 200 thousand. Um, so that's excellent. Uh, that's I think everyone should be pretty proud of that. Um, that's essentially uh, UCLA uh, Bros have done about as much money since. Chip Kelly departed literally two weeks ago, uh, as they did in the entire Chip Kelly era. I mean, it started with Dante Moore's recruitment, but uh, in the basically year and a month. So in in two weeks, more or less the same amount that they did in 13 months, which that's that's pretty impressive. You should pat yourself on the back. Um, For him, I've been watching a lot of Big Ten. Okay, so this is a basketball question. Kind of snuck into the football thread, but I'm going to answer it now. For him, I have been watching a lot of Big Ten basketball games, and no matter who the team is, all games look to be close to sold out with rabid fans. Uh, th- there's a comma. Thoughts on the difficulty in road games next year compared to the Pac-12? All road games are hard. Um, rarely has much to do with the fans, as much more to do with the travel. Even, uh, you know, it's um, staying in a different place, all that kind of stuff. Um, it's, uh, it's just a different uh, administrative system. And guys... Uh, recruits, uh, not recruits, uh, players really thrive on consistency, consistency and approach. Um, and so home games generally easier road games, uh, generally harder. Um, so I don't think it's going to be too monumentally different. I mean, going to like Gill Coliseum sucks going to, um, whatever the Washington state stadium is sucks. Um, the, those are, I mean, it's going to suck going to Indiana, um, and it's just going to be a matter of uh, digging deep and being mentally tough. Uh, Bruin 90, what can the athletic department do to improve fan engagement and attendance, both alumni and students? Um, 
I mean, there's a ton. Uh, I mean, it, this is the part where I think there's a lack of vision, um, and there has been, and this isn't even strictly about the current AD. I think there's been a lack of vision for a very, very long time. Um, there's a huge problem, which is that the Rose Bowl is located like 30 miles from campus. So you've got that issue, and it's a perpetual issue, and there's nothing you can do about that, aside from breaking the lease somehow. Uh, but I think that thing's damn near impenetrable. Um, so, okay, you got that problem. Can't fix that immediately. You could start to work towards it. Uh, but this is all about, like, again, um, going back to that business thing. Um, these are, think of think of a lot of the companies that fail or that start to fail and all that kind of stuff where, the business, the, the people in charge, they're short timers looking to eke out the, the short term profit. They're not thinking about 20 years from now, ever. Um, with schools, um, with athletic departments, um, you're getting kind of the worst of two worlds because you're, you're getting um, it's a school, so it doesn't have a huge budget. Uh, it's not like a professional team. But you're also not getting the ownership that is invested for the long term, right? Um, you're getting instead uh, essentially administrators who are looking to protect their own positions and also um, make the case that they should have their jobs or make the case that they should get new jobs that are even better. Um, and so you don't get this investment in the idea of UCLA, like what's best for UCLA's future? It's what's best for my future. Um, and so what's best for UCLA's future is having um, a, a level of commitment from the chancellor's office, who's maybe the one person at the school who's invested in the school itself because they've got a sinecure for the rest of their lives if they want it, um, is investment in, okay, what's best for this program? What's best for this going forward? And it would obviously be invest in a in, invest political capital and the necessary things to build a stadium on campus, uh, put it on Drake and have a 50,000 seater or whatever there. Um, that would be a game changer would change. Uh, I think everyone's perception of what UCLA fans are, what the students are, all that kind of stuff. Um, it involves that involves spending a ton of political capital because um, a lot of the people in the, uh, Westwood area, Beverly Hills area, they donate a lot of money to political people in Sacramento. And that's where the capital would need to be spent with the regents, with the state government to make this happen, uh, to push it through. Um, and it's just political will. I mean, it's uh, all that stuff about like, they got to vote it through with a Westwood homeowners association. As far as I know, that's all BS. It's just, they got to make it so that the moneyed people can be shut up around Westwood so they can do it. And then it involves a bunch of money. Uh, but money isn't really UCLA's problem. Um, so that's one. And that's pie in the sky, but it's only pie in the sky because nobody has the will to do it. Um, so that's one. Two, um, there's a lot of lower level outreach that you can do. Uh, and I think it has to start at the student level. Um, I think subsidizing all tickets so that they're all free uh, including for basketball, uh, would be a great recognition of the reality of, uh, of UCLA's um, position right now. Uh, continuing to charge students whatever for basketball season tickets um, 
it's nominal and I understand it when UCLA is good that you want to charge for it um, because that's a great way to just kind of, hey, you got to have a little skin in the game to do this and make a little bit of money, but you're not really doing that to make money. You're making it. So, hey, you paid some money for this to so stick around. Um, so uh, that makes sense. But right now, um, student attendance is an issue at basketball games um, and uh, and broad attendance is an issue. Get as many people coming to games as you possibly can, uh, because then they're going to get excited about coming to games. Uh, and then when they become young alumni, you give them heavily subsidized season tickets. Not free anymore, but pretty cheap. Uh, and I think they already do that somewhat with young with young alumni, or at least they did when I was a young alumnus. Um, but uh, do that, and but you've built some connective tissue there um, from when they're students and making it like a fun atmosphere incentivize them to come make it free give them a free hot dog at the end whatever uh and then they realize hey this is actually kind of cool i enjoy doing this this is a lot of fun uh and then get them to come back as young alumnus and then uh young alumni and then you get uh, a few years down the road and they've got a little bit of money and uh they're coming to games and they're donating to the program but it's basic stuff i mean it's not this is not rocket science um i think there's a lot of extracting short-term profits uh, at the expense of long-term gains. That's always been the case with, I think, uh, the UCLA administration. Um, and somehow getting out of that mindset, which again, requires long-term thinking. It requires thinking about what's best for UCLA 10 years from now, 20 years from now, not what's best for me and my job prospects a year or two from now. Um, that's the kind of thinking that needs to happen. But all this stuff is easy. Like it's, it's, It just requires thinking ahead. Um, and having a little bit more concern about what's best for the program generally than what's best for, um, you know, you as an administrator. Uh, ATLM 2004, what are the details of Coach Foster's contract? Uh, don't know. All I've heard is that it's five years, $20 million. Um, I think it starts at three and a half, something like that. Um, and uh, the buyout is manageable after a couple of years, but I don't even know what that means yet. Uh, I think... Uh, the, the contract should be coming back from the FOIA requests uh, soon. Um, all right. Uh, Dr. Spiceman, what's the biggest disagreement you and TP have had over football and basketball? Mm. Mm. Great question. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit... Um, it's hard to know because sometimes I just devil's advocate things. Um, I would say like just for a recent one, um, like I think Tracy, so we were ranking our like worst hires ever. Um, and he, he's got Lavin the lowest and I'm like, look, Lavin was at least an assistant on a national championship team. And he's like, yeah, but it was a joke the whole time. Um, but I don't know. We don't disagree on that much. Um, I think generally our sense of things, I mean, we disagree in like nuance and like various, um, kind of minor wrinkles of things, but for the most part, we're in agreement. I mean, we, we go back and forth about like minor things, like whether Will McClendon is going to, you know, be good or, you know, should they do the too big thing or whatever? Um, but I mean, for the most part, we, we generally agree. We've got similar sensibilities about what we want to see from a football team and a basketball team. Uh, go big Bruins. Are you concerned? Always. I'm always concerned. Um, 
Yeah, I assume you mean about football. Um, yeah, 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 of course. Um, I, like I said initially after the hire, I think it's a huge risk. Huge risk. Um, and it could absolutely work out. Um, but I, I don't think there's any getting around the idea that it's a huge risk. You're hiring a running backs coach for your head coaching job. Um, you know, ideally you would have hired somebody who's done it before. Um, or somebody with a great deal more experience, or somebody who's got a reputation as a great recruiter or a great fundraiser or whatever it is. Um, it could absolutely work out, though. I mean, there's, um, you know, there's, no, there's no perfect formula to any of this. Um, uh, there's stuff that I think would have improved UCLA's odds of success um, in terms of the hire they could have made and when they made it, uh, but they didn't do any of those things. So, like, you know whining about spilled milk at this point is just it's stupid for us and i'm not going to do that um now as we go forward we're going to see things like i i'm really interested to see how recruiting goes um in the lead up to spring i'm really interested to see how spring goes i'm really interested to see how this offensive coordinator hire goes all this stuff i think is it's it, these are data points data points data points and if you remember we started ringing the alarm about chip kelly's recruiting and i think it was june of his first off season. Um, uh, hopefully we're not doing that in June, but we're not going to be shy about, you know, lightly telling you our concerns early on. Um, but it's too early. Like, it, it's too early to say a thing right now. Like I can't even say that firing Ethan young and, and having usher leave is necessarily a bad thing. A lot depends on who they, f- who they fill those positions with and when they do it. If they don't fill them within a couple of weeks, probably a bad thing. If they fill them in a couple of weeks and it's really good people, well, then it's fine. Or a good thing. Who knows? Um, it's just so early. Um, but concerned? For sure. I'm always concerned. Um, I made this point on the other on the podcast of Champions, but I'm, a, I'm an actual optimist, meaning I'm always thinking, how can things be better? How, how could this have gone better? What should happen to make this better? Um, which comes off, I think, to some people as negative thinking or critical. But no, my, my goal is always for this to be a lot better. Like it's, it's, it's that, uh, it's realistic optimism. Um, and so right now, yeah, I'm concerned. I'm concerned that they, uh, that they fired Ethan Young and that Usher left. I'm concerned that they don't have people filling those roles right now. I'm concerned uh, about the offensive coordinator hire. I'm concerned about the quarterback's coach hire. Um, all these things. I'm concerned about Deshaun Foster's skill as a recruiter and a fundraiser and what he's going to do as a head coach. But, all of those could be answered positively. So it's, it's not, um, it's, it's, there's just a lot of unknowns right now. Um, so to to put it shortly, yes. Um, but I mean, I'd be, I was concerned at this point with Chip Kelly too. Um, and that one could have worked out even better. Um, fours up. Uh, did I single-handedly put a kibosh on Scott Frost for OC with my story about my encounter with him? (laughs) Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, I think that's one where maybe the initial vetting didn't, uh, pass muster. Uh, Munoz ace, uh, will assistant coaches be empowered to give scholarships under, uh, Deshaun Foster? As far as I know, that's what happened this week. Uh, so yes. Um, and we will, uh, see if that continues. All right, it is 9.45, so I am going to lock this now because I've gone to the second page. Uh, Give me just one second. Just hold your horses. All right, Uh, Pasadena 2020. In your opinion, how should we objectively measure Foster's performance before and during spring practice? Uh, If you read a lot of stories where guys are saying, hey, I talked to Deshaun Foster, 
uh, you know, he's, he's, he was great. You see, he's recruiting me super hard, like all that kind of stuff. Then big thumbs up on the recruiting thing. Uh, if you don't see a lot of that, then probably a thumbs down on the recruiting thing. Um, gonna want to see that, uh, gonna want to see that. And that's not just before spring practice. That's throughout this entire off season. You want to hear a lot of stories that Deshaun Foster talked to me. Uh, I'm really excited about UCLA. They're recruiting me super hard. You want those words. You want those a lot. Um, so that's one. You want to hear a lot more stories about him uh, talking to NIL donors. Uh, you want to hear a lot more booms from the Men of Westwood Twitter account. Those, like I was saying uh, a week or two ago, feels like months. Uh, the most important job for Deshaun Foster over the next 12 months is fundraising and recruiting. So how you're going to judge it? Fundraising and recruiting. You want to see those things happen. Uh, as for on the field stuff, look, I, I'm on the record. I think this season's not going to be very good. Um, now, if it's a disaster, that wouldn't be great. But um, spring ball, there's not a whole lot you can ever tell from spring ball. Um, now, if if you're reading us saying, oh, it looks super disorganized and it doesn't look like guys even know what they're doing out there and there's got a lot of guys standing around, that would be a thumbs down. I don't anticipate that, though. There's way too much continuity for guys to be doing that. I think there will be good energy. I think they'll be pretty organized. I think it'll all be fine. So I wouldn't say there's much you can measure from the spring itself. I think there's a lot more you can measure from uh, recruiting stories and uh, donations. Men of Westwood Twitter account. Follow it and look for those booms. Uh, Deeper Sleeper. How do you guys feel personally about the professionalization of college football? If you could be the commissioner of the sport, what is one change you would make? Whew. Um... Okay, uh, about the professionalization of college football, it depends. I mean, I think the money is good. I think getting guys paid is good. Um, I think if I had to make a change, it would probably be, um, gosh, one change is hard. Um, but uh, one that's kind of, I think, causing a lot more of the chaos is uh, somehow formalizing the money in some way that contractually obligates everyone to fulfill the ends of their contracts based on time so that guys can't leave except for once a year um, and like a full year. Uh, but they're getting paid for that year. Um, and I don't know if that works in an NIL standpoint. I, I think it might work best if um, they have to be cut in on the media deal or something. Um and the schools pay, uh, but there needs to be some apparatus for stabilizing the uh, inflow and outflow of talent uh, in in college football uh, because it's just making the job uh, the job very very hard for everybody, um, and I think it's going to, to to strangle the golden goose in a short time if they don't figure it out. So. Something to make uh, contracts, um, mutual obligations, and uh, keep guys at their destination for at least a year. Because if it continues this way where uh, transfers become just less and less uh, restrained or constrained, um, you're ending up with, again, the worst of both worlds. Uh, you end up with uh, kind of the mercenarial aspects of uh, professional football and then with, uh, you know, none of the none of the backstopping from um salary caps and contracts um 
so it would make the sport which is already you know in, in many play on the field standpoints an inferior product to the nfl even more inferior uh, LA Bruins 75. Hey, Dave, is it possible for bros to get an update from men of Westwood regarding the booms they've put out? I understand keeping the actual donation numbers a secret, but it's nice to hear if it's a five, six or seven figure donation. Thank you. I believe the booms are going to be every time they get a six figure donation. Um, so again, going back to the top, that's what you want to see. Uh, TM Manfred, uh, do you have any additional information about Foster's buyout contract structure? Uh, just to share that up top. Let me see if there's any other questions in here. Given the dearth of slam dunk head coaching options available in mid-February, I don't think it's the worst idea in the world to take a flyer on Foster as a low-cost, high-variance option. If he puts all the pieces together and brings energy and competence to the program, it's a home run. If he proves too green for the job and it's not working after 24 or 25, they can move on and run a coaching search in a more normal time of the year. But obviously, that flexibility depends on the nitty-gritty of the deal. Put another way, is there a way to view this hire as a quasi-interim move that gives Jarmon flexibility to run a proper search in a year or two if it doesn't work? Uh, I would never view a hire as a quasi-interim move, um, but I do think there will be uh, flexibility in the deal. As I said above, I think, um, or before, uh, I I do think there's going to be flexibility after the second year if things are trending in a bad direction. Um, But all that said, uh, you know, I've I've posited this idea, take a flyer on someone as a low-cost, high-variance option. I'll just say this, and again, I don't want to like, talk about the process too much because it's a done deal but there were other options that could have been low cost high variance but maybe slightly lower variance um so yeah decisions were made big j bruin what does ucla need to be successful in recruiting besides getting a coach who wants to recruit are there financial constraints that prevent the coaches from traveling to see them play in person so they can evaluate their talent character and interest in ucla do the administration and staff emphasize academics over talent or were the last staff poor evaluators uh, the last staff was a group of lazy evaluators, lazy recruiters. Uh, Chip Kelly was extremely lazy in recruiting, and that uh, uh, flowed down to the entire staff. Um, I wouldn't take anything from the way they emphasize things except as an excuse to uh, excuse their laziness. Um, UCLA has academic constraints. That has never changed. It's always been there. Uh, but, but if you are a coach, who cares? about acquiring the best possible talent. You know who you can pitch that to. You know who you can present a case to. The people who let kids into the school. And it's worked a lot in the past, and it would work again in the future if a coach is interested in making the case for guys who uh, otherwise might not be able to get in. There were guys under Mora who were barely above minimum NCAA qualifiers who got into school because Mora gave a shit. Um, you you got to care about it. Um, so... Uh, yeah, there are constraints. There's also benefits to those constraints. If you are a high academic school, there is a, there is, people say this like, oh, it's Stanford who can get like, you know, maybe like 20 guys a year. It's not just like those 20 guys. A lot of, like, there are some parents who for sure, they just want their kid to succeed in, in athletics, but there are a lot of parents who are also, you know, realistic or if not realistic, they want to see their kids succeed in a lot of different ways. And going to a school like UCLA carries some cachet with a much broader range of families than you can imagine. And if it's pitched correctly, and if, again, you stand on a table for these guys and make sure, uh, hey, we're, you know, we're going to get them in if, they, if, if they're interested in us, um, you can make this whole thing work. And UCLA has never had a problem before Chip Kelly of recruiting at a top 20 level, ever. 
Never had a problem. Darrell did it at one point. Uh, Rick Neuheisel did it pretty much every year with some of the worst teams you've ever seen. You can do that here. It's easy. Uh, stop ever talking about academics with UCLA. It's a it's a thing. Yes, you can't get in guys who you know can't spell or whatever, but you can get guys in who are like the next level up from that. And so it's just um, it's just it's a it's a false narrative that they use to uh, perpetuate laziness. Choney nineteen. Uh, do you foresee Young and Usher's positions being filled? What in the difference in their roles? Uh, answer that above. Uh, hopefully they are filled. Uh, again, what are your thoughts on the moves and how Coach Foster has done so far? Things you like so far and things you don't agree with? Uh, I liked his initial blast of interviews. Um, I thought he said a lot of the right things in his press conference. Um, obviously, it wasn't like a super polished speech or anything, but he was uh, very, very passionate, showed a lot of emotion. Um, and I think there was a lot of good feeling after that. Um and then uh, from an NIL perspective, they've done more than Chip Kelly. That wasn't necessarily hard to do, but they have done more. Um, and then, uh, you know, the rest of it, like, I just don't have the full picture. You know, we don't know who's going to fill the Young and Usher roles, so I can't say whether I agree or d- disagree right now. I I don't know about DPPs nationwide that much. I think Ethan Young was pretty good, but maybe there's somebody better that Deshaun Foster has got in mind for that role. I don't know. Uh, and Usher, you know, maybe there's somebody else that he has in mind for that, that would work a lot better. Don't know. Um, so I think the big thing is, and this is like the one thing I kind of said, you know, and Tracy echoed this on the three pointers earlier this week is, um, you want to keep momentum. Um, I feel, feel like momentum kind of stalled and I know coach Foster had some, had a flu, uh, issue. Um, but you know, getting out on the basketball court for that first weekend of games, I think that would have kept the energy up. Getting some hires done the first two weeks keeps the energy up. Um, And just heard that OC might be announced today. It might even be announced by the time I'm done with this podcast. But um, just keeping the energy level up. Um, So that's something maybe would have done a little bit more in this first uh, 10 days or whatever. Uh, Do you think without Kelly, this staff has the drive to recruit that is necessary for what UCLA needs and should be? That is the uh, $64,000 question, to use a reference from way before I was born. Uh, We don't even know what the staff's going to look like yet, so who knows? Proof in the pudding. Like, these kind of answers, I don't want to speculate. Proof will be in the pudding, and we'll know pretty damn quickly. Um, You know, let's not, let's all together now. Let's take a deep breath and step back. Um, we had to kind of pussyfoot around it uh, at the beginning of the Chip Kelly era, like the recruiting issues. And we're like, well, it could work. and eh. um, Because you, we didn't know. We're going to know very quickly if they're continuing the failed strategy of Chip Kelly. Um, and if they are continuing the failed strategy of Chip Kelly, we're going to call it out in real time. But we don't know yet. Um, we're going to see in the next few months whether they are or they are not. Uh, right now there was a good sign this week and that a lot of guys got offered, but now it's going to be when we read recruiting stories, are guys mentioned in UCLA, are they saying UCLA is recruiting the hardest? Are they saying they've talked to Deshaun Foster? Those are big keys. That's what we need to see. If we don't see that heading into June, then we're going to, we're going to start to have some, some, some harder information about what's going on. Uh, but if we do see that going into June, then we can say definitively they're doing more than they were under Chip Kelly, and that'll be a very good sign. Uh, RK Tex 
Honestly, give it to us straight. Wouldn't we have lost the bidding wars for Smith and Fish? Is the AD limited in as much as we need to lower our hopes and expectations? Any rumor about the new chancellor being a sports supporter? Is MJ making CMC actually think about leaving? Yes, CDF might work on, might work, but come on. In the end, was this the best we could have hoped for after the swing and miss of CCK and we are just Big Ten fodder? All right. Uh, starting off, um, I it's like counterfactual. I have no idea if they would have lost the bidding wars for Smith and Fish. I don't think so. Uh, when UCLA would have come open for Fish, it would have been bidding against Arizona, and he had absolutely no interest in staying in Arizona. Would you have had to pay more than you paid for Deshaun Foster? Yeah. Would it have had to have been much more than you were paying Chip Kelly? Probably not. So, no, I don't think they would have. Uh, uh, is the AD limited? Um, I think uh, I think the AD has been limited by its own vision um, for what this program can be and its ability to pitch to the chancellor. Uh, any rumor about the new chancellor being a sports supporter? Don't know. Uh, is MJ making uh, CMC actually think about leaving? No. Uh, I think Mick Cronin is here for a good long while. Uh, Deshaun Foster might work, but come on, in the end, was this the best we could have hoped for after the swing and miss of CCK and we were just Big Ten fodder? Uh, no, I don't think it's the best you could have hoped for. Uh, Thundercrack. There's a long tradition of players who were maybe under the radar at UCLA going on to have successful pro careers. Aside from Latu, who do you think projects as UCLA's best NFL prospect among both those draft eligible this year and the current UCLA roster? My choice might be Jay Toia. That would be mine as well. That was the first name that came to mind when I was thinking about this. I think Jay Mike uh, obviously has potential. I think he's got to get a little bit more. Um, oh, God, use a phrase the kids say. He's got to get a little bit more of that dog in him. Um, he's got to play with more general aggression. And I don't know how easy it is to change that mindset. But he's he's got to play like he's you know the best athlete on the field. Uh, he's got to he's got to have that kind of swagger. I don't think you see too many wide receivers who are great who are like super quiet guys who are like polite and kind. Like you kind of have to have a little arrogance, a little bit of athletic swagger to you. Um, so seeing him develop a little bit of that, um, more more kind of just supreme athletic confidence, uh, I think that would go a long way. But uh, yeah, Jay Toya makes sense to me. Uh, Sin City Bruin, assuming the new chancellor has no real interest in sports, how long does uh, Martin Jarman keep his job? Is it a matter of time or will Martin Jarman leave on his own? UCLA does not fire ADs, but has there ever been one as bad as Martin Jarman? What do you think would happen if the new chancellor does care about sports? Um, I don't know. I mean, this is another counterfactual. It's, uh, it's, it's tough to answer hypotheticals like this. Um, I don't know. Uh, I think... Uh, I think there's a chance he leaves on his own. Um, there's a lot of noise that he was looking around um, the last couple of years. Um, UCLA has not fired ADs, but I don't, I don't uh, like a new chancellor is going to come in and they're going to have broad, you know, purview over hiring and firing guys. And if a division is underperforming, you could absolutely see that happen. Um, now, uh, that being said, has there ever been one as bad as Martin Jarman? I have no idea. I mean, I don't, I, I never was, uh, I wasn't paying attention when Pete Dallas was hired out of the rec room or whatever uh, to be the AD, but I don't think that was very good. Um, I, I think um, Jarman has had some, uh, uh, the chip, the management of the Chip Kelly era has been a major failure. Um, and I think that's been a major failure and a major black mark against Martin Jarman. I think the budgetary issues were not always, not all his fault, but he has perpetuated them. Um, and I think these things are going to be, you know, 
there are going to be issues with him for the new chancellor. Um, and whether that guy is interested in sports or not, these guys are all interested in their bottom line. Um, and so I think that uh, it'll be really interesting to see how that all plays out. Um, but he, uh, the, the mismanagement of the Chip Kelly era is probably the most noticeable one that fans can pay attention to and be like, yeah, okay, that's not good. Uh, but I think probably the budgetary stuff is more of his issue um, vis-a-vis the impression of the new chancellor. Uh, if the new chancellor does care about sports, I could absolutely see him um, finding a new AD. Uh, Billy the Sid, what is the deal with airline food? Um, what is the deal with airline food? Uh, that's not even a Jerry Seinfeld. That was more of a Rodney Dangerfield. I, I don't think I can do a Seinfeld. Uh, seriously, though, are DW and or Tracy planning any upcoming Big Ten road trips to cover the Bruins? And if so, which Big Ten school cities are you looking forward most to visiting? Oh, gosh, I, we haven't even talked about it. Um, Tracy usually does Big Ten, uh, does the uh, away game travel. Um, let's see. What do we got in 2024? Uh, I'm kind of out. I, I don't I don't really care about any of this stuff. Um, I've seen stadiums. I'm actually more excited. I like it. I would I would go to LSU uh, or Hawaii. Um, uh, Penn State could be cool. Nebraska could be a lot of fun. That'd be fun um, this year. And uh, then there's Rutgers, so you can have a nice away trip in New York. Uh, but yeah, that's more Tracy's deal. I'm I'm too I'm too locked in with kids. You know his his kids are grown, so he doesn't have to do like softball on the weekends and soccer on the weekends. I got to do all that crap. I love it. Uh, true mass, true mismatch. Uh, did Kelly actually pay a buyout to leave UCLA? As far as I know, yes. Uh, LA Realtor, is it just me as a fan, donor, alumni, alumni, or does UCLA not really uh, realize the arms race they are in and aren't even trying to act like they'll try to be competitive for championships in basketball, let alone football? Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I've kind of answered that. I, I think they, they, um, they. I think it's a lot of short timers invested in their own futures and not necessarily invested in uh, the broader success of UCLA. Uh, UCLA forever is Foster being set up to totally fail. And I, I'm not talking about coaches there, just FYI um, UCLA forever is Foster being set up to totally fail with a first time DC and relying on a 52 year old B enemy as the ACE recruiter. There are a lot of parallels to Darrell and his West coast offense, but even he had formidable Tom Cable and Walker. Uh, next question is prediction. What happens first? Foster hits nine wins or Foster is let go. I don't, uh, this is, I don't know about set up to totally fail. I think, um, I mean, uh, hiring anyone this February was setting somebody up to fail because it's a bad time to hire anybody. Uh, it's a bad, uh, it's a bad time in a calendar. It's a bad time in that you is going to the big 10 next year. It's a bad time in that they're coming off of, uh, the worst recruiting class in school history. It would have been a bad time for Nick Saban to be hired as the UCLA head coach. Um, so set up to fail. Everyone's set up to fail with this current circumstance. Hiring in November would have been a different deal because that person could have recruited into the early signing day, signing period and would have been bringing over recruits from their own signing class that they signed at their previous place. So set up to fail is being hired in February. Um and then uh, as for Durrell, he didn't have Cable until, I think, 2005, maybe 2004. I don't remember. Uh, and he didn't have Walker until 2006. So multiple years into his tenure. Um, next question is prediction. What happens first? Foster hits nine wins or Foster is let go. 
gosh, make me do this. Foster's let go. Uh, UCLA forever. Thoughts on crypto? I've seen you use crypto lingo in your stories like dead cat bounce before. So it seems you study it and are knowledgeable about it. What happens first? Bitcoin to 100,000 or UCLA to 10 wins? Dead cat bounce is not a crypto uh, lingo. It is something adopted by crypto people. Uh, I know very little about crypto aside from its um, uh, Ponzi scheme. Uh, G. Elliot, 79. Uh, a little off topic, but I'd love a bro story time segment every once in a while. For example, a deeper dive into Billy Don Jackson's story, backstory on great coaches, players like Donahue or Ogden, or the O'Bannon versus NCAA lawsuit and its effect on bringing about the NIL era, etc. Always love to hear the story behind the story. Um, yeah, that's that's not a question for me. Um, I don't know anything about any of that. Uh, UCLA Forever. You are known to have made people money during Mora's first and second years predicting the over and under. Assuming four and a half wins, where do you stand and what's your confidence level? Uh, I'm going to need to see the team in spring. Ask me again in May and I will I will give you a a, a better answer. Um, but yeah, we did we did do well in the first and second years of Mora and that was easy to predict. Uh, since then, it's just been a lot of um, scuffling for UCLA and it's harder to predict when it's just like you, you, you really don't know what you're going to get from a coaching perspective. Uh, Northy. Is the fact that an OC hire is yet to be named a sign of competence and due diligence or lack thereof? How much of the recent departures feel driven by DF wanting them out or by people just wanting to leave on their own? Answered the second part. Uh, the first part, um, I think it, it yeah, I, I would say due diligence. I mean, I, this is part where we don't need to like, oh gosh, it's been 11 days. Ooh. I mean, would you have liked to have this guy hired four days ago? Sure. Does it matter that it's four days later? Probably not. Not that big of a deal. So I wouldn't I wouldn't concern yourself with that. Timing stuff, not that big of a deal. Guapo, what can be done about the sparse crowds at Poly Pavilion? Uh, I shared that earlier, but um, I mean, from a uh, broader season ticket sales standpoint, I mean, I think there's some just basic problems. Uh, one is not many people live local to Westwood anymore because they've been priced out of the area. Um, so a lot of the young alumni who would otherwise fill those, uh, seats are, you know, living in Covina or Riverside or something. Um, so that's a problem. Uh, and then on top of that, um, you know, a lot of these games are at bad times for guys, to, for people to even get to campus from close by. I was reading horror stories from the last Thursday game where uh, it was a 6 PM start. People started driving at five o'clock and they still weren't at Westwood and they live three miles away. That's bad. Can't do anything about that. Um, I mean, I think there's just there's realities to it, and they never should have made a, a renovation that added seats to Poly. It should have been reduced um, because they haven't been able to fill that thing consistently outside of like a couple of stretches during the final four years. So, yeah, I mean, they need to uh, they need to reevaluate a lot of things, but uh, incentivizing students um, and then potentially expanding the student section would be one approach. Uh, just to get some more noise in there, make it a more fun environment. Uh, Listos. If Kelly, Alford, and Lavin were the three Stooges, which one would be Larry, which one Mo, and which one Curly? Oh, boy. I don't know. I don't know my three Stooges well enough. Um, Lavin feels like Curly. Alford feels like Larry. And Kelly feels like Mo. Uh, far point. Do you guys like the way this is all going? <laughs> uh Sure. Sure. I like uh I like being alive. I like enjoying things. It's all fun. 
Don't worry about it. All right. We're on to the hoops board now. I'm going to lock this so nobody else can ask questions. Uh, Dr. Spiceman, what really happened with Usher and what's up with the recruiting staff philosophy? Anything we should be worried about? All right. I already answered that. Uh, Do you think Cronin's European recruiting experiment is dead and buried or will he be more choosy with whom he targets without abandoning it totally? I would probably go the latter, um, but it's probably closer to dead and buried than it is the choosiness. I, I, I think they could. They're still going to see if there's guys available internationally that make sense. But I think the last we heard was um, it was hard to get a full gauge of the guys that they were that they got um, to know exactly who they were getting. And that's not even to say they're like bad players or bad prospects. It's just how developmental some of them were versus uh, ready to play immediately. Um, and I think it's easier to do all that stuff with domestic prospects. Um, but we'll see. I mean, not that like it's super mercurial, but like things change based on what's going on on the floor. Um, and if UCLA again goes on another big run here at the end of the season and suddenly, you know, some of these euros are playing really well, then maybe they look at it a little bit stronger. I mean, you're always looking at things in media res in like, okay, how's it going right now? But if suddenly a lot of these guys pan out and then they're like, well, you know, we got some good looks from this guy and, oh, they're going to stay the summer and they're not going to play with their national teams or whatever, then maybe you're like, okay, well, we can make that work again. But maybe it won't be whatever they brought in four guys. Maybe they bring in one or two uh, a cycle. Um, But I think there's a lot still to be worked out there. Uh, Alex Brodetsky, uh, can we get any insight on what recruits will be at Saturday's basketball game as well as how we are doing with 2025 recruits? I feel like the 2025 recruiting for basketball will be critical. Also tell the fans they better pack Polly on Saturday. Great questions. Um, so obviously pack Polly on Saturday. I was just told to, and, uh, and I've got to obey Alex Brodetsky. Um, as for, uh, guys who might be there, I don't think we've heard yet. Um, we'll usually get some information on that, um, mornings before games, that sort of thing. Um, as for recruiting, I mean, a huge priority for me is still Braden Burries, um, the, uh, shooting guard from Eastvale, California. Um, he's probably, yeah, he's probably my number one must get in this class. Um, I like Kamenia, the, uh, the Harvard Westlake kid, um, Mazi Mosley. Um, I, I think there's a, a, a wide variety of guys that they're in the mix for. Um, and I think their first priority um, is going to be in March, really, really tackling the transfer portal and trying to get, um, you know, I think a big priority for me is getting uh, somebody who can knock down shots from the outside, probably a, a shooting guard wing type. Um, but I think there's, there's a few different spots that they will probably need to fill. They've got to learn what a Dembone is doing. So they're probably going to look at a post. Um, but, uh, they're going to look at transfers first and then, um, you know, there's obviously the high school recruiting will, will need to come as well. Um, but that's, that's the first kind of primary focus, um, heading into the recruiting season. Um, okay. Where was I? Uh, 49er to Bruin, uh, besides quarterback, what football positions demand the most NIL, which require the least? Is it similar to the NFL salary hierarchy? Uh, similar. And also like all this stuff, I mean, it's all BS. I mean, some, like some wide receivers are getting $250,000. Some are getting $40,000. Sometimes the guy making $40,000 is a lot better than the guy making $250,000. 
Um, edge rushers, those can require a lot of money, but that's very similar to the NFL. Um, but also, if you get a guy in the right situation, you don't have to pay that much money. Um, if it's retaining a guy versus trying to go acquire him in the portal, it doesn't require as much money usually, but sometimes it will. It just, I mean, it so much depends. It's not like, there's not like a structure to it like there is in the NFL where like you can almost slot a guy like, oh, he's a top tier edge rusher. This is what the comp is. So we have to give him that. It's a, it's a black box market where nobody really knows how much anybody else is getting. So it's really your negotiating power, your um, position with that guy, whether you've recruited him hard, like all that kind of stuff still plays in. Uh, True Blue Bruin 24. If you're able, can you discuss the rumors of tension between Cronin and Burke? Um, I don't. I, I haven't heard uh, significant rumors of tension between Cronin and Burke. Um, so I, I wouldn't be able to speak to that. In your opinion, if the future of UCLA figuring out the four B. Williams, Burke, or unknown transfer? Figuring out. Okay, figuring out the four position. Got it. Um, I know they love Brandon Williams. I just um, and I know they've loved Brandon Williams basically since he got on campus. Just got the right attitude. So young, a lot of upside. Um, plays the way Cronin wants a four to play. Um, I think they they think they think there's a lot of upside there. Um, so I, and I think if if Burke is you know committed and wants to stick around and uh, stay through the summer, um, I think that would be huge. And I think UCO would love to have him. Um, but uh, I, I know they're a big fan of uh, uh, Brandon Williams. I think Burke, the issue is he's just, he's missed so much time, starting with practice in the offseason because he was um, with the national team, didn't arrive on campus till late. And then injury, injury, injury. So much time missed that he's still playing a lot like the guys played in December and January where everyone else has kind of taken a step up. Um, maybe that happens for him. It could happen for him. He's, he just needs, he needs more floor time. Um, and you start to see little flashes of it and, uh, and, and we'll see if that, you know, portends some bigger things over the next few weeks. Uh, what happens in Vegas when you and equity Bruin are supposed to be in the same room and we learned that you were the Twitter cat all along. Ha ha ha. You'll see Uh chart one as a charter member of the Will McClendon fan club. What does a fully realized fifth year senior McClendon's game look like in your opinion? I mean, did you watch David Singleton as a fifth year senior? Uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see. I think, uh, uh, I'm a, I'm a big believer in guys who, uh, do the right thing offensively, um, and mostly play good defense, though I think McClendon's been a little bit spotty this year. Um, but, uh, coachable who can shoot and who doesn't turn the ball over a ton on offense. I mean, that, that should play, um, and that should continue to play as long as he's willing to continue to fill a role and not, you know, be the star player. Um, I could see him filling a very similar role to David Singleton uh, over the last several years. Uh, True Blue Bruin 24. In terms of the Pac-12 tournament, if you were to look at a bracket and feel good about UCLA's chances to win it all, who would you not want to see UCLA have to play? Um, well, Utah. I think that's a matchup problem on top of everything else. Uh, we're talking about this with Tracy, but they're similarly physical to UCLA. Um, like a lot of people are talking about Lovering is dirty and he probably is, but like they're physical. They, they beat you up and they're older. So not only older, but also as physical, that's a tough matchup for UCLA. 
Um, UCLA has been able to out-physical a lot of teams during this run. They weren't quite able to out-physical Utah. Um, and Utah's also older and stronger. So that combination, not a good fit for UCLA. You don't want to see UCLA have to play them. The good news is a lot of other teams don't have as much problem with Utah. And so they've been able to get knocked off by other teams. But uh, somehow avoiding that team would be ideal. Uh, Thobbs, what basketball targets are we high on for 2025? Just went through that. Uh, Wilt, 89, what is UCLA's basketball's biggest challenge in recruiting for 2025-2026? Is it NIL, Coach Cronin's selection process, or a lack of talented bigs locally? Um, I, the thing is, I don't, I don't know if there's necessarily any major challenges. Um, I think NIL is going to get figured out. Um, you know, always there's like questions about talent pool. Um, so lack of talented bigs, but again, this is why the transfer portal can help a lot is that UCLA could, um, just go land a, you know, a multi-year transfer or at least somebody who can come in and play for a couple years. Um, as as a big in March, you know, um, so that would solve a lot of the what is a potential issue in 2025, 2026, which is a lack of elite bigs, but also bigs can emerge. You know, you can have a guy who suddenly sprouts up a bunch of inches from his sophomore year to his junior year and looks like a guy, um, you know, developmental rates are very different for that. Uh, type of player. Um, so, I mean, from an instant playability standpoint, look, what you're always getting with a freshman big, unless they are a freak, is uh, this is like, again, maybe this is me being a little bit conservative-minded uh, with some of this talent stuff. It's You should always plan to more or less redshirt a freshman big. Um, and more or less, I mean, like, what they're doing with Devin Williams right now or what they were basically doing with Adai Mara for the last month and a half before the last couple of games is... You're going to play them like 10 minutes a game um, and just get that through your head. You're not going to like, even if they're like a super five star bigs, take a long time to adjust to the fouls in the college game, to adjust to the speed of the college game, all that stuff that like, it's kind of easier for like a shooting guard or a swing guy to, to plug in. It's not easy for a big, so much responsibility, rim protection, so much they have to do defensively. Um, and then on top of that, you know, trying to score back to their basket on a guy who's four years older and a bunch, a whole lot stronger. It's just tough. It's super tough. So, um, you know, uh, anybody you're looking at 2025, 2026, they're a developmental guy anyway, because every big is a developmental guy, unless you're getting him in the portal. So generally speaking, that's my attitude on that. Uh, Mong to Bruin, Vide and Fibloy, and even Burke to a lesser extent. Any indication on why they haven't broken through into Cronin's circle of trust? Is it a mismatch between Cronin's style and system, or do they really just need developing? These were international players with good resumes coming in, guessing we'd want them to stay, but with Cronin, Cronin's famously short rotations and heavy minutes expected for Andrews, Will, and Lazar, what's the argument, if any, for these international players to stay? Um, all right, so tackling your first question... Um, this is one where I'm 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 struggling a little bit to answer because th- this should be obvious to everyone's eyes, right? Like when Vide came in in the last game, I don't think he looked up from his dribble. Like I don't think he passed the ball um, more than like a you know I I can't dribble anymore, so I have to pass it. Um, but you can't play, you can't be one of the primary ball handler handlers and not pass the ball in this offense. I mean, even Sebastian Mack is passing it more than V-Day. Um, that's, you can't do that. Um, so that, and we're in mid-February and that's still happening. So that's, should be an indication why he isn't playing. 
Uh, Faboy, um, this is the one that, like, maybe I'm a little bit more curious about, but uh, when it comes down to it, the guy he's backing up is Lazar Stefanovic, who's played excellent basketball over the uh, last, I don't know, 40 days, um, and also is clearly one of Cronin's guys and clearly one of those guys who's going to play 38 to 40 minutes when it's a tough game. And most of these conference games have been tough games. So where's Faboy getting his minutes? Um you know, is it because if he comes in alongside Stefanovic, then you're taking uh, Sebastian Mack off. You're taking uh, Will McClendon off and Faboy can provide you some defense, um, but also he blows assignments there. Um, and on offense, he's, yeah, I won't say a complete non-factor, but not a huge factor. And you're taking off Sebastian Mack or Will McClendon, who can fill it up from deep. So that one, I mean, that's just simple rotations slimming down and uh he didn't he never got to the point where he was getting 15 minutes a game in the part of the season where the rotations were broad so he's not getting any now um but that's just natural rotations slimming down at the end of the season when things get tight uh Burke they're still trying really hard to make that work um and he's responded a little bit um that's one I would be watching closely over the uh final weeks of the season as I said before um you know, he's, he's showing signs. There was that little flurry against Utah where he scored five quick points where it looked all really good. Uh, he looked better around the basket. He looked stronger around the basket. Um, if that can translate, you could start to see him, you know, I, I think the only thing preventing him from being in the circle of trust is that he hasn't been um, good defensively at all. And he's struggled to provide enough on the other end to make up for that. If he starts providing more on the other end to make up for it, and he starts playing a little bit better on defense. I mean, he's going to be splitting minutes with Brandon Williams because Brandon Williams, they like his upside a lot, but he hasn't been a finished product at all. So um, if they, I think in an ideal world, they would be splitting 20-20 at the four. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, the argument for any of these guys to stay is that uh, Cronin's probably one of the best developmental coaches they'll have. So uh, if they want to get better at basketball, he'd be the guy to stick around with. Uh, Bruin Michael C. Uh, if Amari Bailey stayed, how many wins does UCLA add this season? I don't want to think about that. Duda, duda. I don't want to think about that. Oh, duda day. Um, they probably are winning the Pac-12 right now. Uh, which player staying for one extra year would have added the most value to their team? They, they, they'd be winning the Pac-12 right now, and what's their record? What is our friendly UCLA basketball team's record? I think they're 14 and 12. Okay. They would be 20 and 6 and uh, winning the Pac-12. Cool. Thanks, Amari. Uh, which player staying for one extra year would have added the most value to their team? Farmer for 07? Nope. Aflala for 08? Nope. Uh, K-Love for 09, yep. Juzang for 23, nope. And Amari for 24, maybe, yep. Uh, so it's either Love or Amari. If if Love stays for 09, uh, then you don't have... Who was starting at the 5? Was it Boya? I think it was Boya that year. Let's, let's, let's go into the friendly neighborhood Ken Palm, and let's check this out. All right, so... In 2009, that was still a really good UCLA team, though. Like, it does improve the upside. So you would have Love 
at the five, maybe uh, maybe Howland eschews his Dragovich love affair and Aboya starts at the four. That would have been sick. Um, yeah, I mean, that team probably goes back to a final four if they get love back. Um, you know, they beat Michigan. They beat Texas. They beat ASU. Lose to Washington still. Uh, probably maybe still get swept by the Arizonas. Beat Washington State. Uh, they're probably, instead of 13 and 5, they are 16 and 2, something like that. Another super elite season, a super elite record. They probably win or come close to winning the Pac 12 Pac 10 tournament, uh, close to 30 wins. They're probably a two seed. Uh, yeah, yeah, they probably make a final four. Uh, in, but Amari Bailey this year, from like a pure win standpoint, I mean, they beat Marquette, they'll beat Gonzaga. Maybe beat one of Villanova and Ohio State, beat Cal State Northridge, beat Maryland. Like, what am I saying? That's five wins right there. And then that doesn't even include Cal, Stanford, uh, Oregon on the road, Arizona on the road, Utah on the road. I I mean, this is where it gets stupid, but, like, they could have won a lot more games. Um, Where would John Savage rank on hires if baseball were a major sport? Probably number two uh, after Howland. Uh, imagine if Alford had been fired a year earlier as he should have, and imagine UCLA still ends up with Cronin. What happens in that alternate history? Do Hawkes and Tiger still come? How many banners do we hang instead? Uh, it would have been really interesting because if you, here's the thing, like if you add Cronin to the 2019 Bruins, now if you remember that team, they had Chris Wilkes and Jalen Hands as sophomores, Moses Brown as a freshman, Chris Smith as a sophomore, Jules Bernard as a freshman, Cody Riley and Jalen Hill as freshmen, David Singleton as a freshman. Throw him in there. Um, I mean, I think it's a disaster to start that year because um, suddenly getting Jalen Hands and Chris Wilkes to like commit and play defense and do all that stuff that they weren't doing, that would have been, I think, the toughest job for uh, Cronin. Um like of any part of his UCLA tenure so far. Um, but if it happens, I mean, there was nothing uh, preventing Jalen hands from being a very good defender than his attitude. Pretty much the same with Chris Wilkes. If they got it together, that's a team that I think could have done something similar to the 2020 team where uh horrible start of the year and then really hit a run. Uh, once they, one thing, once things click, this would have been a once things click team. And then if it all clicks and it works and they're bought in, do you keep Jalen Hands and Chris Wilkes for another year? Um, you know, and uh, Jules Bernard a year further ahead in his development. But yeah, do you get Jaime Hawkes? Do you get Tiger Campbell? Those are big questions, but I know uh, Cronin already had prior relationships with those guys. So maybe. Uh, I think it just uh, starts the clock a little bit earlier. I don't know if it involves more banners being hung, but I think uh, we would have had one more year of enjoyable basketball instead of one more year of uh, not so great. Uh, Hillguard858, what role did Salt play in the War of 1812? (laughs) Good God. Uh, Man, War of 1812 is kind of a gap for me. Um, Salt. I'm reading a. I'm seeing a book, "Salt: A Story of Friendship in a Time of War" by Helen Frost, which is something about the 1812. I don't know. That's you've 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 hit a gap for me. Uh, GJT 1248, 23 points per game on 61% shooting. Oh, uh, yeah. 
Uh, Darth UCLA, are the current expectations for UCLA basketball program higher, lower, or about the same compared to, say, when Herrick or Lavin was the coach? I would say, like, fan expectations, I would say a little bit lower. Um, I think people have been beaten down by time and fate. Um, so uh, I think my general expectations are uh, be a quality team every single year, uh, make the NCAA tournament, and uh, most years uh, have a uh, high seed in the NCAA tournament and uh, win or be in you know ultimate contention for the conference. Uh, this year is obviously a step back from a lot of that. Um, but kind of a rebuilding year, you know, these do happen. Um, now, whether you feel you still should ever be rebuilding is, you know, your mileage may vary, but I think this kind of season would have been, you know, one of those where like people would have been like, wow, this is a disaster in the Lavender Herrick eras. And I think people were like that in the beginning of January. Um, and I was too. Uh, but the way it's worked out, I mean, I think we all have a different rhythm to this thing than we used to have. Um, you know, there's not this, uh, I think in a lot of respects, I don't have like a hard set of expectations, like this capital E expectations for UCLA basketball. I kind of try to take it as it comes. And, uh, given the realities of what UCLA was dealing with, um, I think the first part of the season went worse than it should have maybe. Um, and the second part's gone better than it should have maybe, uh, on balance. Yeah. About par. I mean, I think if you told me at the beginning of the season, uh, UCLA is going to kind of scuffle a little bit. They're going to be above 500, um, and they're going to be in contention in the conference. They'll be better at the end of the season than the beginning of the season. I would have said, okay, it sounds about right. It sounds about like what I was expecting. Um, now, the way it happened, uh, where it was so bad at the beginning, and now it's been so good for the last month and a half, is, you know, you would prefer... I don't know. Would you prefer a, a, a lower rate of variance? I don't know. I think the last month and a half has kind of inspired some hope. It's been kind of fun watching the tight wire act. Um, and if it continues, you know, if, if the Utah game was what we kind of perceive it to be, which is just a blip when they were still playing well and they just happened to lose a game, then uh, maybe that tight wire act will actually continue. But um, yeah, anyway, to answer your question, I think they're lower uh, than they were when Herrick or Lavin was the coach. Uh, Snail of Westwood, can you comment on the rumors about Wasserman tension with Cronin or the AD at large? Um, no. Uh, I mean, uh, all I know is that uh, up till recently, I don't think he had done a whole lot with NIL. Um, and I think that was a personal preference. I don't know that he necessarily believed in it as a model. Um, and, you know. That's probably uh, the big thing that he needs to um, get on board with if he's going to um, wield as much power as he does in the AD. If if, uh, if all of this is going to work to advance UCLA's position as an athletic power, then he needs to get on board with NIL. All right, that is it. That was an hour and a half of my life, of your life, of our lives together. I hope you enjoyed it, and we will talk to you again next time.